When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, this is Chris Jericho and you're listening to the Shout It Out Loud cast. They're going to give you a reason to live. Make you feel like you're the king of the mountain. And when it's all said and done, they're going to dance all over your face. Oh, yeah. We got some good looking girls. Oh, yeah. I forgot my headset. Okay. The fuck. Nope. You mean the one that's right in front of me? Nice. Oh, I fucking hate everybody. Keep this. Keep this in. Don't edit this out. With another episode of Shout It Out Loud Cast. Episode 113. We're calling this one West Beach of the Plasmatics. Tom, I said before we went on, I said, I'm fucking, I fucking hate everybody today. I'm miserable. And then uh and then uh something made us both laugh. It's about as mature as a fucking two-year-old. And uh I don't know. Somehow we're on the air and now we find things funny. I don't know. I don't know. Well, yeah, it's better than the last 75 minutes where if people could have heard that, (laughs) the most miserable, grumpy old fox. All right. Now I'm very angry here. And then right as Zeus hits the record button, thank God the, the spirits come alive and something happens to make us laugh. So. Oh, God almighty. The maturity level of this podcast is insane. So, yeah, Tom, I don't know. I, I, I guess we had a little bit of a laugh here, but I don't know if I can overcome this miserable fucking bug I got up my ass. And uh, you weren't as 
fucking chipper either. So let's see if we we can get get out of this episode without alienating every one of our listeners. The worst thing is some usually if one of us is kind of in a grumpy mood, the other one can get us out of it. Yeah. This was like had like the reverse effect. We were pissing each other off. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah? Well, you're upset about this. Well, fuck you. How about this? Oh yeah? <laughs> yeah. The was jerk a- store called and they're running out of you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh. When this episode comes out, um, hopefully you guys will hear a uh like a variety of uh, emotions from us. But it's a good episode, I can tell you that, because uh, we already taped our interview with Wes, Mm -hmm. and that was awesome. And we'll get into that, obviously. But uh, as usual, Tom, what we do is we always want to give a quick shout-out to our Patreon fans out there. So all the guys that are out there on Patreon that are supporting the show, we tip the hat. We say thank you. Uh, We appreciate everything and all that you do. We love the interaction and the feedback and the comments and stuff. And uh, we got a couple good things coming up soon that you guys will be involved with. So anybody that's interested in Patreon and following us and subscribing and getting involved can find information on uh, the episode notes. There's a link to Patreon for us. And in addition, there's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Dot com, and you under the creators, you would just search and find us, or you can use the app and find Shout It Out Loudcast. And uh, Tom, anything else you want to add? Yeah, just huge thanks. Uh, you guys are are amazing, and uh, you know the Patreon family is growing. We're, we're starting a little community over there. Um, you know, we have some Patreon exclusive messaging and chats back and forth. It's it's a it's a really really cool way to uh, just kind of expand what goes on uh, during the show and, uh, you know, just kind of give a little bit more of a, uh, you know, kind of behind the scenes kind of personal conversation with, with you guys. And uh, we can't thank you enough. So thank you for the continued support. Yeah. The Tom and Zeus naked photos yep. um, thankfully have been kept in house on Patreon and haven't leaked out. Okay. Then that'll be great. I'll come in and uh, you could look at me naked and see if it's worth it. Um, so much appreciated for that. And uh, so, Tom, let's uh, move on over to last week's episode. Last week, we did Kiss Trivia 3 with our uh, buddy Murph as the host. You you beat me pretty well. You beat me unmercifully. Um, <laughs> and uh, I think we uh, broke the tradition of not being able to keep score. Yes, there was no scoring issues last week. It was accurate and correct. Uh, So that was a lot of fun. Yep, thanks to Murph for that. And um, we always go back to the poll that is related to that previous episode. So again, it was trivia. And uh, this one was a little bit tricky, but we got creative with it. So we said because there was a question in the trivia game regarding band members and their involvement with movies, uh, we said which original member would make the best leading man for a film. No surprise. 40% of the votes went to Paul. 36% of the votes went to Gene. 17% went to Ace. And poor Peter, 7% of the votes. Some of the comments here, uh, let's see. Uncle Paulie, pretty sure every person who voted for Peter, including myself, also commented here, LOL. Steve Dedisco. I think Peter, Steve, the disco, the disc- that's what it says. 
Steve the Doraka. <laughs> I think Peter would have been phenomenal in the right role, but he's not what you would call a versatile actor. <laughs> it's true. Uh, if they ever do a, uh, a buddy Deuce, if they ever do a reboot of Weekend at Bernie's, Ace would be perfect. <laughs> oh, then Uncle Polly also chimed in talking about how uh, Peter Chris was an Oz. We talked about that before. I love that. Fat man on guitar. Ace is going to start a reboot of Dude, Where's My Guitar? Big fan of the show. Big Kiss fan, Bree. She says, Gene is great, but I believe he just plays variations of himself rather than a character. Peter would be a cool voice actor. Paul is definitely romantic lead material, but as a character with a dark past or heartache, Ace is perfect for major and minor characters in any genre. Ooh, okay. Interesting. Um, Paul says Gene played a great bad guy, but Paul has the stage experience. That's also true. And then our buddy Costa Vucinas did these awesome uh, Photoshop things. He took the movie poster of the Wolf of Wall Street put Gene's face on it and said soundtrack for, for the Gene of Wall Street would include Mr. Blackwell and a cover of Money and a Million to One. Then he did one of that famous uh, picture of Ray Liotta laughing in Goodfellas. Goodfellas? There's no fucking R in that movie. What's the matter with me? He says, uh, yeah, and then he calls the movie Chris Fellas. He says the soundtrack would include Dirty Living Hooligan and I Finally Found My Way. And he puts the picture of Peter Chris over Ray Liotta's face and the, the meme says, Rusty Blade? Can you fucking believe those fuckos? <laughs> then, he, then he takes another meme of, of a picture of Peter with Robert De Niro. You really threw your stick at Gene? Fucking right I did, that fucko. <laughs> so, Costa having some fun with Peter Chris there. That's awesome. Um, Alessandro Rourke. Paul would talk in his high-pitched Paul voice and ruin every movie. I'd have to say Gene, the man is pretty bright, would take on the personality of all the voices scripted for him. Boss Man. Peter, if he's sober and serious about it, <laughs> and then uh, and then we'll get into a couple um, couple episode specific comments. Uh, it was those trivia episodes. Episodes are always a good time. Twisted Kister, you always prepare us for some suspect scoring, but I wasn't ready for Tom to answer. I don't know to a question about which member did something instead of just guessing. I'm like, did he just get lost in the discussion and forget about the game for a second? Good stuff. Well, I don't remember that, but. Um, my buddy Steve fucking howling here with laughter. Anyone else shouting the answers to the episode and being slightly worried about your lack of knowledge? Oh, wow, Steve, that's kind of unfair. Great episode as usual. Stories had me in tears. I want this to end so I can go back and listen to it again. Okay. Uh, Zandon Black, I can't believe uh, Tom didn't do the final last words of I pledge allegiance to the state of rock and roll. The run is over. Okay. Um, our buddy Dan, I love it louder. The very first question, I'm screaming, Hotel Diplomat, Hotel Diplomat. Pretty sure I could beat Sonny Pooney, and for sure I could stump the trunk. Also, Tom making me laugh for, if I studied, I could have gotten that. <laughs> uh, Lee Bruton, great episode, guys. Pressure must have gotten to you both, as I'm sure you knew more. I don't know about that. Uh, having said that, I think Zeus got the rough end of the questions. Well done, Tom, on the win. Well, questions are what they are. Uh, Zandon again says, I hate making the choice to listen to you guys while I'm lifting the Pico Stanley conversation comes up and I lost it. <laughs> then Kevin Northern, when we were talking about the baseball player, Rusty Kuntz, 
<laughs> he goes, these are a couple of my favorites. Great episode as usual, guys. Trivia episodes are always fun. It's always great to have Murph join in. So then he s- sends pictures of these classic baseball cards. Some guy named Shooty Babbitt. <laughs> and then my personal favorite, Bake McBride, with the big fro coming out of the helmet. That's that's hilarious shit. Um, what else? Oh, Josiah Horn. Y'all had me crying laughing at work with this one. Cheers to Murph for being patient enough to deal with your BS. Appreciated the schoolhouse rock reference. Um, and then we got a awesome retweet. This was friggin' great. We got an awesome retweet from Gerald Rosenberg. And he says, a kiss podcast that also has jerky boys references. Can't get much better than that. I'll be listening again. This time I will bring all my shoes and my glasses with me. So I have them. So then I said, are you related to Saul? Cause his last name is Rosenberg. So then he goes, He's my second cousin on my father's side. I haven't seen him since the whole family went to a basketball game. And I stood there laughing at him while he laid in a puddle of his own piss and blood. <laughs> and then, uh, then we said, Oh geez, sounds like you, uh, you know, you're getting a little, uh, overreactive to this. <laughs> and then he responded, your teeth ended up in your hippies. <laughs> so the, we kept the whole jerky boy skit going with Jerry. That fucking was... one is a classic. Oh my God. Amazing, well, amazing. He only asked the guy to sit down a little bit so he could see. <laughs> and and he beat him. He beat him unmercifully. Unmercifully. <laughs> and then the guy goes, My God. <laughs> your teeth your teeth ended up in your in your hippies. <laughs> And it was awful because when he beat me, my teeth were also in my hairpiece. Your teeth ended up in your hairpiece? Yes. <laughs> so good. So that's what we got for Twitter. What do you got? What's happening with Facebook? Yeah, but before I get to Facebook, oh, uh, yeah. we did we did have a couple here. We had something on uh, Instagram, Tom. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Ray Magnoni. Do you know him? That is heavy mayo. <laughs> Loves the fucking mayo. Ugh. Oh shit. I live these trivia episodes. I think he meant to say I love, but maybe he hit the sauce or something, too much mayo in his in his fucking Coke Zero, whatever you drink uh, <laughs> that he loves to brag about. <laughs> and having Tom lose his shit. Good times. When did I lose my shit? Actually, it's all I do. I always lose my shit. So but so is he talking about the fucking good times emporium? The Buffalo wings are the best. <laughs> if anybody, if anybody out there knows that reference, please let us know. If you can find the video oh. for the commercial they used to have. And if you um, were there and survived a <laughs> shooting or a stabbing, also let us know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you were there amongst many of the police raids, please give us a heads up. Anyways, oh, that's Instagram for you, Tom. Yep. yep. Over on our uh, Loudcasters Facebook group. Yep. Brennan Barrier. Listening now. Loving it so far. Haven't listened to this podcast yet. Uh-oh. So I thought I'd finally give it a shot. Thanks to my cousin, Chris Vickery, yeah. for, turning, for turning me on to it. I love KST. We do too. Mm-hmm. Decimable Geek. Mm-hmm. Great guys. Friends, friends and family on the Pantheon Podcast Network. Mm-hmm. And Talk is Hedico. Oh, excellent. Our, buddy Our Chris. friend. Yep. Chris Hedico. Yep. So this is right up my alley. Can't wait to delve deeper into the back catalog. 
Excellent. Welcome to the party, pal. Yeah. Nice. Thanks, wimp. Get yourself one. Boom. <laughs> Come on. Everyone knows where that's from, right? I would hope they do. They better. Yeah. Uh, David Cathy, thanks for the nice shout out on the show. All the words are true. You guys are truly amazing, funny, and very cool guys. Thanks, David. David is uh, literally one of our oldest and first listeners. Not oldest in in the terms of years, but uh, first listeners of the show. And David's been great since day one. And uh, we're happy. Last week, I think David was comment of the week. Well deserved. Yeah. Yep. And he's a great guy. And always, I think everybody's every podcaster's favorite fan, David Cathy. Absolutely. Then Good. we have. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say absolutely. Good man, David. Yep. yep. And then we have Roger Barnes. So I think we have a case of the moops. Perhaps. The moors. Roger Barnes says, who fact-checked those trivia cards? Paul D. Stanley, not our star child, directed the movie Cotter in 1973. The only connection to Kiss Paul is that it appears they borrowed one of his Asylum-era outfits for the movie poster. Oh, Jesus. And it's like some fucking form of uh, like rodeo and a cowboy movie. And it's like, where did he find? He must have seen this movie. And when he heard us say it, he's like, wait a minute, that's an old cowboy movie. And he looked it up and he's like, how the fuck did Paul direct this in 1973? So, yeah, I think the cards are probably incorrect. And we may have a little bit of a scandal there. I don't know. Who knows? Could be. Could be because Murph got those questions from that that Kiss trivia game, that, that like the tin, you know, that we put on the with the episode. Yeah. So, that all the questions came from that, so that's interesting, Roger. If uh, there might be some uh controversy there, so good one there. Oh, maybe, maybe I'm a conspiracy theorist and thinking that Murph set this up and he thought of this specific card and put in his like, I'll fucking sneak this in, in on Zeus so my roommate can win. And then one of our loudcaster listeners is like, Oh, yeah. There is a movie called Cotter, and I can prove it. Or maybe the fucking game was fucked up. I, I think yeah. I'll go with the latter. <laughs> I think you give Murph. I think you give Murph way too much credit for that one. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's not. But uh, it is interesting. It's Cotter, as though like, hey, Mister Cotter. That's right? what I think and of when I hear that. When he said that, I was thinking, is he using the language from one of the sweat hogs? Well, when he said it, I was like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. No, I guess we know why. <laughs> Exactly, yeah So I don't know what that's all about Now, let's get into some um, YouTube YouTube Mark Stewart I fucking love the Kiss Trivia episodes I love playing along Great, great show, guys Thank you, Mark Anthony Stratus Episode 112 The Mr. Feces episode Great episode, guys Thanks for the laughs this isn't the Mr. Feces episode, so I'm not sure why he's saying that. Because well, I think the episode kind of wrapped up with a lot of Stonehill talk, where I think maybe we dropped a couple references in there. That's what I'm thinking of. I don't we've know. Already, I thought we've already done the Mr. Feces episode and talked about him already. We did, we, we did kind of talk about him in detail. Yeah. And then we all I, I think we said was that Cancun is even bigger than Mr. Feces. And we'll get oh, into yeah. that. Yeah. There were way more episode like crazy shit that happened yep. more so than Mr. Feces. Oh, God, yeah. So, 
that's that's probably why. But anyways, Marty White, I'll read this. I'll try to be quick with this, but it was oh, a long he, time. Yeah, he, he wrote a story to us. Marty White, I recently purchased a Kiss Trivia game set and played with Paul and Gene. It was a nice time until there was a typo on one of the answer cards. The question asks what Peter does when he's mildly upset but not fully angry. Gene said, that's easy. He mopes. Paul chimed in and said, yeah, he mopes. I said, sorry, that's incorrect. The correct answer is he moops. (laughs) Gene grabbed the card and said, Marty White, there are a few things that you, the fan, should know. The first is you should never anger the demon. The second is Peter Chris barely wrote Beth. The third is Peter Mopes. We argued about it for a while. Finally, Paul calmed Gene. Easy demon, he said. This is obviously a work of Devereaux. Let's forget the game and bike into town for some gelato. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. I decided to drive, but Paul and Gene rode their tandem bikes. (laughs) We were shocked that ahead of us in the line was Sonny Pony. Oh, Jesus the Christ. Sonny Hollywood Pony. <laughs> when he saw Paul and Gene, he told them that Asylum was one of his favorite albums. Gene said, Sonny Pony, that album is so good because Paul and I produced it together. Paul sighed and said something dismissive about Gene's contributions. Gene pulled Paul aside. Would you stop cutting me down in front of Sonny? I don't go for that shit. Oh, my God. Then it was our turn to order. We were all looking down because of the tension between Paul and Gene. But we looked up when we heard a familiar voice behind the counter. (laughs) Holy Christ. Holy shit balls. It's current kiss. Would you like to try a new flavor? Space truck and lemon. Oh, dude, wow. Ace Freely, Gene said. I'm glad you finally found steady work, but these goofs aren't in the band. One of them does a podcast. The other cheats at trivia. (laughs) Incidentally, I have a question for you. What did Peter do when he was mildly upset but not yet angry? Ace, who already had a few drinks, said, I don't know, bro. I mean, think about it. He thought for a second, and with a triumphant flourish, he slurred, he moops. Oh, my God. Marty White. Wow. Woo. God damn you. Yes. God damn is right. Wow. And Tom, I think uh, you have one more thing you wanted to get into, right? Yep. I got a quick email and then I want to, uh, save some, some, some of the really, really good stuff for the end. So we got, a, we got an email here from our buddy, Brad Rustoven, and he said, Sonny's new theme music. He said, Hey guys, with Sonny's new nickname, I'm not, refer- I'm not repeating it again with his new nickname catching on. How about one of these for his theme music? And then he ends up leaving us little tidbits from the famous, what I believe is the steel Panther love song. Bukaki tears <laughs> and if you're interested in hearing that go for it because we ain't playing it um but what i really want to get to here is r- some really really cool stuff 
that we saw on our Facebook page and our Facebook group. So it started out with our buddy, uh, Mr. Jack Pinocchio, and he posted some pictures from our buddy Scott Donaldson's uh, Hysteria show. And he said, great to see live music again. Also great to meet up with a fellow Loudcaster member. Uh, and then it was just really great to see that Scott Donaldson jumped in and said, awesome to meet you, Jack. Tom and Zeus connecting KISS fans all over the world. He said, you guys always put a smile on my face and all of the fellow shouted out Loudcast listeners. Jack jumps in and says, bringing the podcast fans together, great bunch of guys. Now, we can't thank you enough for that, but then it gets even better. Because then our buddy fan of the show, Graham Richley, says, just like Jack, I was lucky enough to catch up with Scott last night after a killer 70s and 80s kiss-off in Sydney. So good to put a person to a loudcaster's name and further solidified this brotherhood of Kiss and shouted out loudcast fans. For the record, Kisteria played a great set, included deep cuts, Rocket Ride, I, Charisma, Come On and Love Me, ripping through classics such as Black Diamond with Scott doing a great job on vocals, Top Night. Then he posted a really cool picture of him with the band. Just that right there is just amazing. Three, three longtime fans all in Australia together just sharing their love of Kiss and just, you know, sharing the Shout It Out Loudcast family. And uh, I got to tell you, guys, that just meant so much to me and Zeus to see that you guys enjoyed yourself that much. Great to see somebody enjoying live music, Kiss music, and, um, you know, bringing the, the Shout It Out Loudcast family in there. So we want to thank Scott, Jack, and Graham. You guys as a group are the comment of the week. Just really fantastic stuff. Good answer. Good answer. I like the way you think. I'm going to be watching you. <laughs> Absolutely. I think it's a testament to the show, yeah. Tom, that we can have three guys on the other part of this planet listen to our show, find our sense of humor, and find the band that we love, and then find each other and share that with us. It's yep. really it's amazing. Really, really very cool. Agreed. So the fact that we came on this show with a grouchy, grumpy attitude, things like this, change it around. Can't be mad or grumpy when you have listeners and fans and followers and people that are interested in the band Kiss and, you know, find our, our sense of humor, hopefully funny. And, yeah. um, you know, get to meet up and stuff. It's a great, I mean, it, it, it's probably one of the nicest things and best things we've had and could be a Mount Rushmore moment for yep. this show that you three met up and only through our show did you guys get to know each other. But you know what? I'm sure you guys are probably at some point check out Kisteria anyways because they fucking rock. Mm-hmm. And so they're doing their stuff in Australia. So anybody listening in Australia should check them out. Uh, I think they're also jumping into New Zealand. If they do, they ought to hook up with fucking Bucky Dent there, whatever her name is. She's a, she's a little hottie. Like, isn't, she, isn't she a little single mom? Who's the that? Pri- the prime minister of New Zealand. Oh, oh yeah. She is a little smoke show. Yes. Yes. Yeah, but she's got a little bit of that curvage on the front of those fucking picket fence teeth of hers it looks like a little bit a little bit a little bit of a snaggle tooth maybe yeah if you got a turtleneck down there she might you know it might get caught 
in those yeah. teeth in yours. Like a little you dog be- nipping at the <laughs> wall-to-wall carpet. Might be peeling off your foreskin out of her teeth. But <laughs> she's a she's a fucking. She's like a, one of those. Come here, come here, I'll give you your fucking parliamenty ruling. Get over here. <laughs> she's looking good. When, she, when that bitch bends over, I forget <gasps> my name. You can't call her that. No, she might, well, she might, be, she might be listening. Hold on a second. <laughs> I guess this is my New Zealand accent. No, I've got to hear what the shouted out loud cast is talking about this week. Oh, they're talking about the German housekeeper and people dropping deuces in bathrooms. Oh, my kind of thing. <laughs> oh, God. Anyways, uh, keep rocking it over there and uh, down under. And uh, if one of you guys get a chance to bang the prime minister of new zealand let me know and uh send some pictures while you can Ooh. oh god hey, i'd like a picture naked yeah anyway uh tom what we usually do from here is hop skipping a jump over we're gonna we're gonna move on over to kiss world <laughs> So a couple things in Kiss World. Uh, so right after we recorded last week, speaking of Australia, uh, Kiss announced Australia dates uh, for uh, November. And that got everybody very, very excited because we know that they had to cancel last time due to Paul having an illness. So they're back. They're pushing it as saying it's their definite last time they're going to be visiting that part of uh, that part of the world. So that is very exciting for them. Now, of course I commented myself and I saw other people commenting themselves because kiss fans, we nickel and dime and dissect everything that people say, because Paul Stanley said that he is willing if required at that time to do a 15 day COVID quarantine. People jumped on it and said, well, if you do the math, how is Paul going to be on the kiss cruise and be able to do a 15 day quarantine for Australia. So again, I jumped in and said, look, I don't know. Maybe Paul's just saying what he's supposed to say because it's the right thing to do. Not knowing about the cruise. Who knows? Regardless, they go into Australia. We're hoping the cruise happens because we're both booked. We'll see what happens with that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. I, I think it's great because I felt bad. It, it just felt incomplete that they, you know, they couldn't go to Australia before this. And I was like, you mean to tell me people in Australia just never going to get a chance to see Kiss? Right. Like, that's not fair. They were such a big part of Kiss's history. Mm-hmm. And now they get to do it. So I'm really happy for people there. And the other part to this is it goes back to, I remember us having this conversation. And, oh, no, they're, 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 they're not going because of the ticket sales, because of the ticket sales. They're going because Paul was, they didn't go because Paul was sick. He probably had an early form of COVID back then, but that's what I believe they didn't go. So the fact that they booked this now to go again, to me, is letting me think that they didn't have an issue selling tickets before. That's that's how I see it. But anyways, I'm happy for them. That's great. What else do we got, Tom? Um, so the download festival happening over in uh, the UK, I believe, was scheduled for, I think it was June. Kiss was one of the big uh, headlining acts. Canceled. The, the Down Boys? Where the Down Boys go? No, that song's horrible. Sorry. <laughs> where the Down Boys go. Terrible. Horrible. Oh, we're talking no. about. Have you listened to their sixth album? 
Oh yeah, I used to uh, I used to eat at the, uh, the at the Taco Hut with their keyboard player when he was uh, you know played on their third album. That was my that was my Steve Wright impression. Hi, no, Steve. I know. I, I know. We love you, buddy. We'd be like, <laughs> I remember us vividly having this conversation. Warrant. I liked a couple of their songs. Like, have you heard their like fifth albums? Like, dude, they had another album after Cherry Pie. <laughs> I I knew they had a couple albums. I didn't know they had five. Yeah, or something like that. He was he was adamant about it. That, that's when we first started becoming friends with everybody. And we're like, dude, they're talking about fucking wingers, a winger or fucking warrants, like fifth album. And then they're probably like, dude, they're talking about Nirvana. They're talking about Pearl Jam. Yet we all remain friends. Music. Gotta love music. Anyway. Hey, hey guys, you, you haven't heard that live album by Dangerous Toys? That's terrific. <laughs> Fantastic. Danger. Where is it? Live in Budokan? Where is it? Live in Madison Square Garden? No, it's live, live at Brother Mike's in Stonehill. No, it's live at those old McDonald playlands that they have with the fucking ball pits. That's where they're playing. Those are the dangerous toys. <laughs> Anyways, we just went from download festival to down boys to dangerous toys. That's what happens here. <laughs> So I, so I started by saying the <laughs> sorry, sorry. No. <laughs> we just want to fucking throw this one last time. <laughs> oh, sorry. We didn't talk about sabotage this week. Oh. I just got to do that from our buddy, Steve. We love you, Steve. Just joking. Of course. We always have a good time with that. Always. No. So the download festival, that big multi-day festival over in the UK, Kiss was going to be one of those headlining acts canceled, rescheduled for 2022. So uh, who knows, you know. The fact that they're starting to cancel things in, you know, spring, summer is starting to make people nervous for Kiss's uh, U.S. dates, like our show that we have scheduled for August. So uh, let's let's hope. Let's see what happens. And I think this was what led to our fucking battling before the show started, Tom. We were talking about it and we went off on one of our fucking crossfire slash Hannity and Combs, Bill <laughs> O'Reilly with fucking McLaughlin group. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the sh- who is the short, dirty bastard? Used to be on Clinton's team, but he would come on. He'd always like get real excited and pedal like stupid shit. What was his name? Oh, um, <laughs> he he taught his mouth moved like one of the characters from Rudolph. Like, Dick Morris, yeah, Dick Morris. He he, his uh, mouth his <laughs> mouth moved like like Herbie the dentist. <laughs> and you can read all about it at DickMorris.com. <laughs> <laughs> Check it out. I can't talk about it anymore here, but pedal also what's a fucking shit on Dick Morris. Not and he God. would talk and he would be so serious, and Bill O'Reilly would be like, What? Get, get out of here, Deucey. Anyways. <laughs> I don't know why why am I talking about Dick Morris? What were you talking about? Our, dude, our attention span is like that of a fucking three-year-old right now. <laughs> What am I mind with the dick? Oh, board? because we started because you because we first so we went from arguing about oh yes and, yes, and then I, and then you and then we said the crossfire Bill O'Reilly <laughs> Fox dick News Hannity yeah. and Combs yeah yeah and so what I was trying to say is that we were having this debate and you know we were talking about like I still think what's going to probably end up happening is people are going to start having to show fucking vaccines. And then, you know, you're going to get into the arguments where people are going to be like, I don't want to show my vaccine if I don't have to. Oh, yes, you do. And then who has the right to go to a concert? Do you have a right to go on a cruise? Who has it? Do you have to show it? What's going to end up happening? Is it a slippery slope? All that shit. And you missed it. But if you go on to 
Shout it out loud cast slash politics. <laughs> you can see our version of crossfire between Tom and Zeus. But we Just do the kidding. whole th- but the whole crossfire thing is done in the voices of Paul and Gene. Listen, <laughs> no one is getting my personal medical information for me to attend any public event. Wear a mask. <laughs> there you go. That's episode one. <laughs> episode two coming out to defend Paul's position is Ace Fraley, and you can bring out Peter. I'm fucking, I want to fucking play a concert. She's fucking wear a mask. What's the big fucking deal? What are you guys fucking, what are you fucking stupid? I'm not fucking showing you any of my shit to go on a fucking cruise. Fuck you. There you go. The most enlightened debate you'll ever have. Peter, Chris, and Ace Frehley talking politics next on Shout It Out Loudcast. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Anyways, Patreon subscribers, that might really come your way soon. Yeah. On our live video chat, we're going to do a fucking political debate in kiss voices. <laughs> and we have to wear the makeup too, Tom. That, that'll be it. All right. God. But then uh, you can be, I don't know, Eric, you, I was going to say, you could be Eric Carr and I'll be Private Cuthano. And Eric Singel just eat during the debate. <laughs> Are we gonna have? Oh, is, is there a green room here with uh, with snacks? Somebody told me there'd be cheese dip over here. Oh, who's man. got the funyuns? <laughs> He's got all fucking like blue cheese hanging off his face and shit. <laughs> What's your name, fat body? You're having fucking blue cheese all over your fucking outfit. Can you please clean yourself up? Oh God! All right. Back on track. Yes. More kiss, more kiss news. Uh, so it was the 45th anniversary of the release of the single "Shouted Out Loud," and Kiss was peddling all types of "Shouted Out Loud" stuff. The the big thing that everybody was talking about was the uh, the orange colored single 
with a special sleeve with the picture of the band and all that kind of stuff for uh, Shout Out Loud, the 45 single. Uh, no, I'm not getting it because I'm holding out for some super deluxe 45th anniversary edition of the Destroyer album, which will be this year, hopefully. Um, so that was a big thing that people were talking about. And then uh, two Paul Stanley related events coming up in uh, as he's pushing uh, his Soul Station album, which is coming out this month. So he's doing something on uh, satellite radio with uh, he's doing a virtual down town hall with uh, former MTV VJ Mark Goodman on the volume channel, which if you have Sirius XM volume is the channel where it's it's a talk channel, but it's all music talk. Eddie Trunk has a has a daily show there. Uh, it's a really cool show. So he's doing a town hall. Uh, actually, that town hall is today. So by the time you hear this episode, you will have missed it. But um, I'm sure you'll be able to see some of it or read about it. So it's a town hall uh, talking about Soul Station. And then there was another thing that I caught uh, that Paul was talking about on something called Talk Shop Live. And this appears to be scheduled for next week. Um, it's another thing kind of you could order his uh, his CD first 500 orders uh, get our autographed and it looks like another live type of Q&A event and you could check that out on Paul Stanley's uh, Twitter page uh, I'm not really familiar with too much of the information there but uh, what I am familiar with is the picture of Paul looks horrible <laughs> so uh, when you take a look at that you'll see what I mean so yeah Paul pushing out Soul Station and um, who knows uh, when that album review is coming if it ever does so stay tuned for that so that's all I got in Kiss News. You know, a couple little things going on. Uh, some good news for Australia, some bad news for the UK with the cancellation. Yeah, one last thing I want to just jump in and throw in there is when this episode comes out on Saturday, later on in the afternoon on Saturday, they are doing that David Z Foundation, which is for March 7th. I think it starts at 2 p.m. They're raising money for David Z, who was obviously uh, in ZO2. And uh, we love Joey on the show as much as we give him shit. That was Joey's bandmate and fortunately died young. And his brother, Paulie Z, uh, has created this um, David Z Foundation. They're raising money that way. It's online fundraising. Take a look at it. It'll go live, I believe, on their fundraise on the Facebook page of the David Z Foundation. I'm sure there'll be everybody talking about it and pushing stuff in concerts. And a lot of good acts will be there. So check it out online if you can. See if you can donate. It'll be great. Excellent. Anyway, Absolutely. Good cause. Yep. Yep. So, Tom, before we get into the topic, mm-hmm. and that is this great interview we got coming up with our buddy Wes Beach. It's that time of year again, Tom. It is. It's March, which means the madness is coming. Yes. Not the macho man madness. No, not that. Oh, yeah. That's not coming. Nope. No. Um, We are talking about the Kiss Beep Madness Tournament. We're not letting you know what kind of a tournament it is yet. We will be releasing the brackets coming up this week. So when you hear this episode on Saturday, be looking for the episode. Look for the brackets to come out this week. The brackets will be displayed, but... The tournament tournament <laughs> will not start until the following uh, week, which is the 18th. So we will have the polls on Twitter. 
and they'll start on the 18th. But next week, we will be putting out the brackets. Okay, so look for those. We're not going to tell you what kind of brackets is, but the Kiss Madness Tournament will continue this year. And it's a good one this year, a very good one. And what we always ask of you is fill them out, send it to us, put them online, social media, all over the place. Let's spread this. We will have a hashtag for this. We'll send it out. The more people you get involved, the better. Mm -hmm. We'll have some of our, uh, uh, what's the word I want to use, Tom? Um, A-list guests? Yeah. Well, actually, D-list if they're some of our friends. That's but true. They, we'll try to get them to post theirs online as well. Uh, a lot of our podcast brothers, they'll be posting it. Put it out there. But when you put it out there, use the hashtag we're going to use and tag us, please. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, yep. we ain't going to see it. So we will have a prize. We will talk about this quite possibly next week. Intent. But the polls won't happen for another week, but the brackets will be released this coming week. Yep. Try to get people uh, kind of excited when you see, when you, when you eventually see what the bracket is this year, you know, fill it out, pass it around to your friends, start getting it going so that by the time those polls do go live, people are fired up, voting, sharing, retweeting, commenting, uh, it's going to be an interesting one this year. We think um, we, we we put a lot of time into it. You'll eventually hear more details about what that is coming down the road, but we're looking forward to it. So uh, March Madness in some way, shape or form kiss related is coming. And please, please spread the word. We'll get it out bigger and better. Absolutely. So, yep. Yes. So that being the case, Tom, we had an opportunity to bring on a friend, uh, Mr. Wes Beach, formerly of the Plasmatics. Want to lead us up and describe what, how, what we got coming up? Absolutely. So Wes has uh, some very close ties to KISS um, as he toured with them when he was with the Plasmatics. And we've been, uh, we've been privately messaging Wes for a while now, a couple months. Um, you know, he's well, a fan well, of the probably show. Probably longer than that, yeah. Yeah, some personal emails and things like that, stories that he shared that we didn't really go on the air about. So we've yep. been prepping this for quite some time. Yep, and uh, our schedules finally jived where we could have him on. Uh, and he he's a fan of the show. He supports the show, and and we're we're very grateful for that. So the episode that we have here with this interview, it, it's it's fantastic, and we think you guys are going to love it because he talks about some really really inside stuff from the creatures of the night tour. Uh, and then talks about, you know, his career and history with, with, with the band, the plasmatics. And if you're not familiar with them, you got to, you got to check them out, read about them, check out some of their videos, their music, fantastic original band. And Wes is just an absolute kick ass guitarist for them. Uh, gracious, gracious guest that he was uh, great stories, very forthcoming, very honest, the kind of guests that we like to have on this. And it was just, it was just really enjoyable. And we think you guys are really going to dig it. So we're, we're excited that we're excited to play it. But before we, before we do play it, I just, before Zeus jumps in, I just want to make one quick kind of editorial slash technical comment here because Zeus and I pride ourselves very much on 
specifically when we have a guest on to do an interview, that we really pride ourselves on being able to carry the conversation coherently without a lot of talking over one another or cutting each other off. And the success in that comes from us being on video and being able to see a lot of our video cues since we've been doing this together. So we know, you know, okay, you're going to go, I'm going to go. What happened was we had some Skype issues where my video cut out during this. So there are times when it's kind of hard for me to know that Zeus is trying to jump in and it does sound like there's a little bit of talking over and that's not something that we're a big fan of. So we want to let you know that we acknowledge it. We apologize if it interferes with your enjoyment of the interview. I don't think it will, but we just want to let you know that it is something there. Yeah. Uh, without further ado. We got a little surprise for you tonight. We're going to turn the microphone over to So West Beach is here tonight with us from the fabled and famous Plasmatics. And uh, he's joining us tonight to talk about uh, his career and life with the Plasmatics and all of his KISS connections, and there are plenty of them. So we've been uh, messaging with Wes for a long time now, and finally we got him on the show, and we're thrilled. Wes Beach, welcome to Shout It Out Loudcast. We're so excited to have you on. All right. Thanks a lot. Glad to be here. Excellent. Excellent. Zeus. Wes. Yeah, Wes, it's been it's it's really an honor because we've had some fun stories. I'll never forget the first time I'm like reading your you had a comment. I think I'm not sure if it was an email or or uh, a tweet, and I'm like reading this, reading this. I'm like, this guy seems to know a lot. Where's this coming from? And all of a sudden I'm like, why does that name seem familiar? And I'm like, let me just Google real quick. <laughs> how does he know? And then I was like, oh shit, that's where and ever since then, it's like, it's been, uh, you know, you're always having such great input on some of our episodes and conversations and topic. So we thought we'd love to have you on and we're lucky for this opportunity. So thank you for coming. All right. You're welcome. Nice. So Zeus, how do we start off every guest? Well, we got our Murph questions. Murph was Tommy's roommate in college and my friend as well. And Murph was our first guest. And so for every guest, we ask him these kiss questions. Now. We don't want to put you on the spot because I know you know this, a lot of the members personally, but favorite KISS member? Favorite KISS member? I'd have to say uh, Ace Freely. Nice. That's a common answer. Yep. Yeah, okay. Solo guitar player. So. Yep. That's okay. Right. Favorite KISS song? Uh, Creatures of the Night. Wow. Okay. Nice. You are the first to say that one. Well, it's good. You know, I, I heard it so many times, and uh, we used to watch them. We watched every set they played on a tour with them. So, yep. And it awesome. was such a it was such a powerful opener, and uh, even to start off the album, it's just a great song. I think. Agreed. Awesome. Yep. Favorite Kiss album? That'd be Creatures of the Night as well. Nice. It's a good choice. Tommy here thinks it's a little overrated. It, look, I, I know I, I I take a beating from a lot of people. I like the album. <clears throat> My problem with Creatures of the Night is that I think the album, it sounds fantastic. I just think the songs aren't great. I think the sound of the album covers up material that I don't think is really great. Yeah, that's that's true. There are a few clunkers in there, but still, it, you know, all in all, it's just that that powerful sound. That, that's yeah. what I like about it. I agree. Yep. And the song Danger is a hidden gem, right? 
One of I got one him. To, I, I got him to laugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's laughing because he wants to agree with me that that's one of the all-time worst kiss choruses ever. <laughs> no, the song rocks, and Eric rips on that. Anyways, before we get too sidetracked, um, I know you toured with them, but how many Kiss concerts have you seen? I don't know if you can keep track with while you toured with them. Include that in the other ones you saw, or the ones you saw as a fan or a friend. Well, the first time I saw them was when we toured with them. So I saw all those, I think it was 32 shows we did with them. So we count those. And then I've seen them quite a few times uh, after that. You know, I went and saw our uh, Asylum tour, the Animalized tour. Wow. Saw the uh, Tiger Stadium show. Mm-hmm. Oh, so wow. Nice. I saw the New Year's Eve show, uh, the Psycho Circus shows. Uh, saw them with Molly Crew. So, so you're quite, quite a few shows. I probably lost count of them all. So you're a you're a you're a full blown Kiss fan. You weren't just a fan of them during that Creatures of the Night era. You're a you're a fan. Oh no, yeah, I was a Kiss fan, definitely. Cool. Yeah. Sounds nice. like it's about close to about fifty concerts then. If you probably, yeah, I'd say probably was. And like I said, every every show we did with them on the tour, we watched the whole show. We learned quite a bit from them. Nice. Wow. Yeah, we'll get into now, that. Did you ever see them when they played with Aerosmith? Uh, no, I didn't see that one. Uh, you lucky then. That was not that, <laughs> kid, kid, Kiss was Kiss was great. Aerosmith yeah. that was just not good. And, and yeah. I love it. And I love Aerosmith. That was just not good. But we're we'll Boston say- guys. And Kiss <laughs> kind of kicked their ass uh, when we saw that double bill in Boston. Yeah, it was surprising. Um, yeah, I didn't. Uh, the set list that Aerosmith was playing was not very good. Really? Um, uh, they were in bad. that. They were in. They were into that. Um, they just had released that like kind of blues album. Oh yeah. That so was, they were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they they performed a lot of stuff, and everyone's like, "What is this?" It was just it didn't go well. No. Um, last one is a is a pretty good question here. Your favorite Kiss memory. Favorite Kiss memory, eh? Uh probably uh, watching that Phantom of the Park movie when it came out. Nice. Love that. Saw it on TV and I was like, what the hell is this? (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome that that's your favorite memory. I I tell you, Kiss fans, they love that movie. That is a special movie to them. No one's going to try to say that it's a great movie, Uh but but we, but we, we love that thing, man. Right, right. It's entertaining. That's for sure. It is. It is. Yeah. Phantom, did that mean... At that point, did you see the other Kiss memories on TV, like uh, the Paul Lynn special, the Mike Douglas special? Oh, sure. yeah. Any of those? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Wow. That's great. So, Wes, want to tell us how you first got your like uh, interaction with Kiss? How your cro- your paths crossed? Well, and I mean, that could be from when you first heard them. When you first got into them, to right to the point where you're torn with them. Well, I first first got into them from probably Rock Scene magazine because I used to get that all the time and uh, check out all the new bands and things and saw them and uh, was reading about them and they were playing the New York circuit and that's why I first heard about them. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see them in those early club dates. Mm-hmm. But and uh, you were a New York guy, right? Yeah, I was in New York. I grew up on Long Island. 
and uh, got the first album when it came out. Thought it was great. And I remember a time me and a friend of mine were in this little Greek diner eating, and they had uh, the Strutter single on the jukebox. Yep. We wow. flipped it over, and we played Nothing to Lose, and we just kept playing it over and over again until the owner came over and threw <laughs> it out. Oh, that's awesome. We, it we was probably, that, was a, that was a great song. Yeah, it was probably a relative of mine. Um, because <laughs> everyone I know that's Greek, we're all related somehow. That could be a third cousin of mine. But um, so you they were playing, oh yeah, because it was the B side. Right. So you were playing, so nothing to lose. So I have I've always said this in, out loud, I've said this to Tommy many times. When I first got into KISS, um nothing to lose, I always felt like it was like old school rock, like it was a cover song. The way the way the chorus went and everything else, it just seemed different. It, so I always felt this can't be an original. When did they do this? Who are they covering? <laughs> and I was shocked to kind of figure out afterwards. Holy Christ, they did this on their own. Yeah, yeah, that that was a good song. It had a great great sound on that little jukebox too. I can imagine <laughs> that that is that, that's wild. That's what now. Do, now, do you like the song Strutter, or did you just decide? Oh, no, to... we, we definitely like the song Strutter, but that was kind of you know nothing to lose was kind of like a hidden gem. We're like, oh, oh listen to this one, absolutely, and we oh, just kept awesome. playing it and playing it. That's awesome. That's very cool. And then like a Peter Chris type character in New York said, "Hey, fuckos, get this shit off the fucking jukebox and hit the bricks." Boring. <laughs> Well, the owner in Greek called you a bunch of malakas and said, get the fuck out of here, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So you got into the first album right from the get-go. You got right. into them. What did yeah. you think when the next couple albums came out and then Alive? Well, I, I liked, uh, you know, Hotter Than Hell I really liked, although the production wasn't that good. And then Dress the Kill kind of went started going down a little for me. And uh, and alive, I really liked. I thought that was that really brought their their power to the to the recording. You know, were there any parts of their? You know, Kiss fans always have a story to tell about. You know, when they got into the band, and then whether or not they kind of walked away from the band. You know, whether that was Dynasty or Elder or whatever. Was there ever a part of your Kiss fandom where you kind of kind of walked away a little bit because you didn't like what they were doing? Well, it wasn't that I didn't like what they were doing. It was I was getting into other things at the time. You know, I was okay. more more into like the punk rock scene in New York. Uh, yep. New okay. York Dolls and Johnny Thunders, that kind of thing. So I, I okay. was more into that. Kind of got away from them. And then uh, with the Plasmatics, I would go to these used record stores, buy a bunch of records. And that's why I kind of got back into Kiss. I picked up the Love Gun album and thought there was some great playing on that. Uh, you know, I stole your love. I mean, great riffs and really good, catchy stuff. And then I picked up the Creatures album after that, and uh, and that was just great. So I kind of missed out a little bit on the Unmasked and Dynasty. I didn't get into them until later on. Mm-hmm. And the same with the Elder. Okay. Now, when did your music, like your um, music career, take off, and you get into now? Wait a minute. Kiss is a peer. They're not, you know, they're not this band that I like along with, you know, Led Zeppelin or whoever else you liked at the time. Now, Kiss is a peer. So what what, what point, where was Kiss when you started taking off musically and then the Plasmatics started coming up? Right. When I was in the Plasmatics and I always thought, you know, I just thought Kiss was just another another band, you know. Mm. I always thought, you know, 
we were the same on the same level. You know? We were both rock bands, and and that's the way I looked at it. Now for uh, so now for our listeners so out there, about that, the time that we started uh, really taking off and and playing the bigger stages and things, that's that's when I thought you know we were on the same level as Kiss. So for our listeners that might not be familiar with the plasmatics, so Zeus and I were were young when the plasmatics were 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 taking off, and what I even when I was a little kid, when I was seven, eight, nine years old, I was reading all the rock magazines. I was reading Hit Parader and Circus and all those things, so I knew visually who the plasmatics were and obviously wendy o williams everybody remembers her you know the stage presence that she had so in the plasmatics you guys were like such a unique hybrid of styles you 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 were there was a little bit of metal there was punk there was new wave i mean you guys really like took on like this image so tell us how you got connected with a band like kiss at the time because Kiss was obviously image oriented and and had a persona to right. the, that ca- that captured the audience, mm-hmm. but the musical styles were were very different. So, was that how how did that connection come about? And and I can't even imagine what that tour must have been like seeing the two of you guys perform together. Well, I think what happened was uh, we were on Capitol Records at the time, and they were trying to get us exposed to a wider audience. So there was talk about us uh, doing some arena shows, opening for some big acts. So. Initially, there was talk of uh, maybe opening for Judas Priest or Ozzy Osbourne. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, Sharon Osbourne kind of put the kibosh on that because she was afraid Ozzy was going to kind of play with Wendy <laughs> and she didn't want, want that to happen. So, no so that was out. Way. And I don't know, nothing ever came with Judas Priest. And then uh, I guess Kiss was doing the Creatures Tour and they were trying to bolster the audience a bit. So they, they invited us to open the shows. So that was kind of a cool thing, you know, because we were exposed to a wider audience and we helped sell some tickets for them and put some seats in there. And it's and it's a perfect tour for the plasmatics to join KISS because that's when KISS was like kind of back, like, you know, with that with the metal sound, the metal image, you know, the, the tank on the stage. Like that was probably the most a lot of people say that that was probably the heaviest that the band ever looked and sounded with Vinny and Eric. So it was it was perfect that you had a, a a band like the Plasmatics with Kiss at that time, right? It was two very visually oriented bands. I think I think that was probably a really cool show for any of the fans who saw it. Yeah, yeah. With many of the bands that have opened for Kiss over the years, there are a lot of legendary bands, but I've I've never really heard that many, if any, that have kind of taken away Kiss's luster or blown them off the stage. But I can imagine. Gene, at least on the sides, watching your show and going, you know, these guys are on to something. <laughs> when are we getting a car to blow up on stage? <laughs> I think, I think we need to tell them we invented that. Um, <laughs> I can totally see fans at that time seeing this and being like, like a lot of people when they see a Kiss concert. I'm not big a Kiss fan, but that show was amazing. I don't know who that band was. But that show was amazing. And then they run out and pick up an album. Or they run out and get a magazine and read more about you guys. I can see that that would work because KISS is so visual. And their live performances do help. And they, I think it's a combination, the, li- the music and the live performance. And I, am I correct to say that that's what Plasmatics had as well? That their music and their you know, art form and 
the live presentation and everything combined was a combination. It wasn't so much as, oh, we're only about our image or, oh, we're only about the music. Right. Exactly. That's exactly right. Oh, I can imagine what that would have been like. Oh. No, no, someone, someone would have been arrested, Tom, if we went to that show back then. I can't, I, I, I can't, I can't even imagine that 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 creatures tour with with a band like the Plasmatics. Now, did you? What was? I'm curious to see where how how much crossover there was in terms of the audience. So, like when you when 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 the Plasmatics took the stage, how how you know a lot of bands are very perceptive of what the audience is doing as they're performing. Did did you see? Was the crowd like into it or were they like, holy shit, these guys are insane or like what kind of feedback did you get from the crowd? I think the the crowds were kind of into it. You know, it was something different. I don't think they had ever seen anything like that before. You know, Wendy is such a riveting stage presence, such a strong figure up there. And, you know, she chainsawed the guitars at the end of the show for the finale. and, And it was pretty cool. And I think I think the fans were really into it. That's amazing. If uh Sharon was nervous about Ozzy. Your rest of your band must have been nervous. Like, oh, Jesus, we got to keep Wendy away from Gene. <laughs> I'd like to talk to you in my office. <laughs> I can only imagine. <laughs> so how was the real... So Gene, you're saying, really didn't know um, Wendy prior to having you guys join them on the tour? Or they already had a relationship going? Like, oh, no, uh, no, I don't, I don't think... I don't think he he knew Wendy beforehand. Uh, our so old bass player, though, our old bass player John Bouvard was uh, doing yeah. some work with Paul Stanley and writing songs. Yep. Yeah, so. we uh we just saw him perform live uh, Christmas time on that Kissmas special that we uh we watched him perform. I thought he did pretty well. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's he's a really talented guy. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. And you br- you bring up a good point for the listeners out there that Jean Beauvoir, with all, with his huge Kiss connections, he was he was in your band for for then. So, the, you know, the Kiss crossover continues with the Plasmatics. So, right. mm-hmm. you know that that that's pretty amazing too. So, when you when you're on tour, how what how much of that Creatures tour were you were you on about about how many shows do you, do you recall doing with them? Oh, well, we did. I think it was thirty two shows. Okay, so that's a pretty good that's a pretty good it amount pretty for good. Yeah, we started off the first show was in Knoxville, Tennessee, and we played down through the south. And we probably did about uh, I don't know, 15, 16 shows, and then we went back to New York to work on uh, Wendy's next on Plasmatics next album. Okay. And uh after about uh, 3 days, Kiss called us back up and begged us to come back on tour, so we rejoined the tour down in Dallas. Wow, okay. And then we, and then we played with them for another couple of weeks. So now in tour Wait a minute. Your tour yeah. was only strictly in the states, correct? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. You didn't you didn't follow them to that crazy concert in Brazil or anything no. like that. No. No. Uh-uh. So at that time, in Kiss's career, at that time, in in retrospect, everyone's like, "Oh, the band looked great. They sounded great. The album was great." But in 1982, 83, people were like, "Yeah, we're we're all we're all done with this band." What kind of what were the did were there sellouts? Were there some venues that maybe some of them were a little bit lean and yeah, and- there, there was there were some thin crowds along the way. That's for sure. Okay, uh, there were a couple of really good shows. A show as it come to mind where Detroit and Cleveland were really packed shows. Yep. Oh yeah, and there were some good shows down in Texas, real enthusiastic crowds. But some yep. shows like in uh, La Crosse, Wisconsin, and you know places like that were a little poorly attended. Yep. 
and there were shows that were canceled, you know, so we'd have some off days. Wow. Wow. And canceled obviously because of poor ticket sales or right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Some of it was a struggle and I know it was tough on them, you know, because they were trying to get back in the, in the spotlight sort of. And it's too bad. Cause like I said, you, in retrospect, if there's so many people that wish that they could have seen, you know, you don't, if you knew then what you knew now about that creatures tour, they probably would have been sold out every night, you know, exactly. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. now you hear a lot of stories about how big bands treat the opening bands, you know, without, without really, if the, if, if there is any dirty laundry without airing too much of it, how were you guys treated by the band? Do you, you know, Paul and Gene obviously were that were the heads of the band. They still are, but you know, you had Vinny, you had Eric, Oh, they were cool. They, they were really cool. They, they were all cool. Uh, Eric was probably the friendliest of the bunch. Yep. And uh, would hang around with him and Vinny. And uh, Gene and Paul, you know, they, they were all so friendly, but they kind of kept to themselves more, of course. But the one thing about the tour was uh, we were we were supposed to get a sound check every night. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that, you know, the first night we showed up, Kiss was kind of, I guess, trying to impress us. So they kept going on and on and uh Ran out of time, so we didn't get a sound check. So the next night, uh, we were in uh, Nashville, and kind of the same thing happened. Kiss kept going, playing and playing, and uh, didn't have enough time for a sound check. And this was a pattern that uh, just kept repeating itself over the course of the whole tour. And uh, finally, I remember we were in Detroit. Kiss gets done. Gene says, okay, guys, we're done. You can go ahead and do your sound check. So we were excited. We run up on stage, plug in the guitar, and we look out, and all of a sudden, the doors to the... uh, the Cobo Hall were opening. The crowd was pouring in, and we were like, "Oh, we got to get off the stage." So we oh, didn't get no. our sound check. So the whole tour was like that. We never got a sound check the whole tour. Wow. <laughs> now, was me, there was there any malicious intent there? Do you think, or was it just I bad timing? I don't by think the it was malicious intent, but okay, uh, okay. I don't know. It's hard to say because a lot, yeah. a lot of, a lot of cities, we were getting better reviews in the papers than they were. Wow. I remember some headlines like "Tired Kiss," uh, "Plasmatics," "Breathe New Life," and you know things like that. And I know that that uh, rubbed uh, Gene and Paul the wrong way. I was just going to say that probably did not make them very happy. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So you don't think that Gene was, uh, let's let them wait. You don't think that was intentional? Uh, I don't know. I'd like to think not, but who knows? Yeah. yeah. I would like to think my favorite band did. Because you always hear them talking about, we treat bands like we want, wish we were treated, like when we started out. So you always hear that thing, and it, 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 that's too bad. I don't, I'm not, you know, obviously we're not a traveling band, so I don't know what the norm is. Is that a 50-50 thing, or is it, no, if I'm an opening band, you know, 100% of the time we get a sound check. Or is that, yeah, some bands let us do it, other bands don't. But, uh, you know, other than that, we were treated really well on the tour, and uh, the hospitality was good, and the uh... You know, everybody else was good. The crews were co- were good and friendly, and and everything else went really well. So, so you're 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 probably I, I, I you're the first guest that we've had that kind of had any direct working experience or working knowledge with Vinnie Vincent. Do you have any recollection of what he was like on tour, like like backstage, on stage, seeing him perform? Because we have a lot of fans, you know. I'm a huge Vinny fan of what he did in Kiss as a performer and as a songwriter. And, you know, everybody has a different things you can say about Vinny on and off stage, but, and that 
time period, he was just on fire. Wow, yeah, me too. I'm, I'm a big fan of Vinny, and he he was great. He was he was really uh, really good, and I always liked his guitar playing and and his style. In fact, I used to see him before he was in Kiss. He used to work in the guitar stores in New York, and I'd go in there, and he'd be in there, you know, selling guitars. Oh wow, wow! And he was always a cool guy. But but with Kiss, uh, it was pretty funny. Uh, you know, he'd be wearing the big platform boots and it was like he was walking on eggshells. So after his show, Gene and Paul were always giving him a hard time. Like, come on, Vinny, you got to step it up, you know? And it, <laughs> I, can, I can picture that. Many times they would be they would be giving him a hard time. And I remember yeah. another time they had this uh, flare gun built into his headstock of his guitar. And it was supposed to shoot it off at the climax of his solo. So he gets up on the top of the staircase. He's up there wailing away. And he triggers the thing, and it just kind of sputters and falls out. <laughs> and from that from that moment on, the crew referred to him as the Elephant Hunter. Oh, jeez, um, oh, poor Vinny. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, that's yeah, they're always kind of giving him a hard time. <laughs> so you you got to see Vinny perform throughout that tour. What Legend had, and I'm not sure if Vinny was showing that signs of it. Probably more so when he got on to kind of when they were doing a little bit of, you know, lick it up and stuff. But were you seeing Vinny go on and on and on with his solos to the point where you could see the tension with the band saying to him, all right, enough, cut it out. I think a few times he did. Yeah, you can definitely kind of get that vibe. And like I said, a lot of times after the show, I I saw Gene and Paul many times uh, giving him a hard time and yelling at him. (laughs) I can, I, I know I hate to laugh, but I can, I can picture that Vinny, that's too long. We've got to move the show along. <laughs> you know, I, I can picture that poor Vinny. And I remember another time in his guitar solo that uh, people were saying he was playing eruption in his solo all the time. And I wasn't that familiar with eruption at the time, but later on when I finally heard it, it was like, oh yeah, that's what Vinny was playing. Wow. Okay. That's interesting. <laughs> really? Uh-huh. Wow. And you say, and you say, and you, I'm sorry, Zeus, go ahead. No, no, no. Finish your thought. Finish your thought. I was just going to say, and you, and you said, you know, everybody agrees that Eric Carr was one of the nicest, friendliest guys ever. And you, and you said you've had some positive experiences with him on that tour. Oh yeah. He he was a real sweetheart. He he was really cool and a lot of fun. He was always joking around, really friendly and outgoing. Yep. Nice. That, yeah, we've heard that from he's he's one of those guys like Bruce Kulick. No one has a single bad thing to say about either one of those guys. Right. So, that's yeah, awesome. He, he was a really cool guy. Very good. So both bands toured the South together. What the hell was that like? Uh, that was damn interesting. Uh, there, there, was, <laughs> there was a lot of <laughs> there was a lot of protests from uh, you know the religious religious outfits out there there were these preachers going on tv and saying that you know kiss was satanists and it was really crazy stuff at the time it was big news it was in the papers it would be on tv and the preachers were railing against kiss and they were having all kinds of protests against them and i remember one really? time we were we were in mississippi and a preacher comes over to us and he's talking to us we were, we were eating lunch and he's talk, talking to us about the show and about kiss and how they were evil and everything and the funny thing was, uh, <laughs> as part of our show, we used to wheel out a big pentagram. <laughs> would go behind Wendy. It's like, did this guy see, even see the show? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I was going to say, he's probably like, now, you guys perform your show. It's Kiss, really, that we're concerned with. And then when they saw your performance, they're probably like, uh-oh, <laughs> what is this? 
now, 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 that, now that, go ahead, Zeus. No, I just want to add to that. So I've seen some performances of, you know, videos and clips because that's all we have left. God bless YouTube. Cause I go in those rabbit holes. So we knew we were going to have you on. I started watching a bunch of old clips. The stuff that you guys would do or when he would do live, want to share some, for some people that don't know, you know, whether it's the bikini that she would wear, the outfits, the antics, do you want to share some crazy stories about the live performances and some, some oh, stuff yeah. that would probably blow people's minds away if they well, ever saw it live back then. We used to do a thing they called the chicken gag, where we used to get these chickens, and there was a cage, and we'd put them up on the on the ceiling <laughs> of the show. And at uh, kind of the end of the show, Wendy would come out with her shotgun, she'd shoot up to the ceiling, and uh, this cage would open up, and this about 10 or 15 chickens would fall out and be running around the stage, and the roadies <laughs> would be out there chasing the chickens down. It'd just be total mayhem. Oh. It, was just, it was just total insanity. Holy um, shit. It was crazy yeah. stuff. Oh, you know, we kind of gave them life because we'd go to the butchers beforehand and would kind of rent them for the weekend and then would have to take them back and then they'd be on somebody's dinner plate. But uh, oh, but they had their moment in the sun for, for a brief brief while there. Wendy kind of liked that. She was a big uh, animal lover. Wow. wow. Now, when I wasn't, wasn't there, correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't there a thing that Wendy would do that involved, was it a machine gun? Yeah, we had a machine gun. We had to actually have a federal license for her to even have that. And she'd wow. take the machine gun and she'd, you know, she'd shoot the speaker cabinets and there'd be charges in them and they'd blow up. Oh. You know, we were, we were all about just doing the, uh, you know, craziest stuff you can think of. Yeah, and like I said earlier, your music was was kick ass. It was like a hybrid of all those different things that were going on in the early '80s. And uh, you know, that, like I said, as an opening band, uh, by the time Kiss came out, uh, you know that that crowd must have been just amped and ready to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's awesome. So, any other? Because I, I, I I'm not sure if Zeus has any more questions about the tour. Um, Zeus, do you have do you have anything you want to you want to pick Wesley's brain about regarding the tour? Because I know there's a couple specific songs that are Kiss related that have that plasmatics background that I'm, I can't wait to, for Wes to talk about. Yeah, no, I just would. I guess I would say um, with the tour at the end, was it at that point that Gene approached Wendy and was like, "I think me and you would make a good team." Like, how did that form? Was it during the tour, at the end of the tour? No, it was, it was after the tour that uh, he approached Wendy, and uh, he was interested in doing a, a solo album with her. And I think the idea at the time was he wanted to just bring in a whole bunch of new musicians and start start fresh. And uh, Wendy was really damn about keeping, you know, me and the band and our drummer, T.C. Tolliver. Yeah. And she wanted, uh, you know, her musicians. And then uh, Gene brought in Michael Ray on guitar and Greg Smith on bass for the live band. So that was that was a pretty cool thing. So what was the big difference between Plasmatics, like p- proper, like di- like albums, et cetera, and then Wendy O. Williams' solo material? Because it sounds like you, you know you you remained. Because if you go on like Spotify or uh, Apple iTunes, you know if you search 
plasmatics and Wendy O. Williams, sometimes the search results kind of overlap with, with the way they catalog the records. Mm-hmm. So was Wendy O. Williams, her solo material, was that like, how, how was that different? If, it, if at all from like plasmatics band material? Well, I think it was a little more commercial. I mean, that's what Gene brought to it more, yep. more commercial sensibility. I think, you know, he brought some of his songwriting to the band mm-hmm. and, uh, well, you know, bigger choruses, more backing vocals, tried to yep. make it a little more, uh, I think, commercially uh, accessible. I think that was kind of the idea behind it, where, whereas the plasmatics were a little raw. Oh, yeah, def- yeah, definitely. Now, on the cover of Wendy O. Williams' solo album, for the people that don't know it, 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 I see this graphic here, whether you're searching on Google or, or Apple Music. It says, produced by Gene Simmons, and then it says, with special guest Ace Frehley, and special appearances by Paul Stanley, Eric Carr, Reginald Van Helsing, plus backing vocals by The Boys. Now, I don't know if you can confirm this, but I've heard that Reginald Van Helsing is actually Gene Simmons. Right. Yeah, Gene Simmons. He had to use that name uh, for contractual reasons. Okay. Now, how did that whole thing come together where Ace was involved, where Paul was, where it was pretty much Kiss? Well, well, we were in the studio, you know, working on the songs, and Gene would uh, he'd be dropping names and saying that he was going to bring in the guest guitarist to do a solo, and he would say names like uh, Eddie Van Halen, Jeff Beck. So, you know, we'd get all excited about it, and then I remember one day we're in the studio, and uh, Gene comes in, and he goes, Gentlemen, tomorrow we have an honest-to-God rock star coming in to do guitar solos, and we're sitting there like, okay, this is it. Is, who is it going to be? Is it going to be Eddie Van Halen? Is it going to be Jeff Beck? Who's going to be? And he goes... Paul Stanley's coming in to do guitar solos. And, and you could feel the air kind of go out of the room. We're like, what? Paul Stanley? All right. So the next day, you know, in the studio, Paul comes in. And uh, I worked with him, you know, to go through each song to see what he had a feel for. And uh, all their guitars and equipment had been in Brazil on their tour, so they didn't have it. So he had to go next door to, to uh, Manny's Music and get a guitar. So he gets a guitar. And I remember he, in the studio... And he had gotten this uh, fried egg sandwich. And he's sitting there eating this egg sandwich. The grease is kind of dripping down his hand. And he's sitting there playing the guitar. And I'm just looking at him like, all right, what's going on? And we go through the songs. He listens to the first one. I tell him the chord changes. He goes, no, I'm not feeling that one. We go to the next one. Listen to the chord. Tell him the chord changes. He goes, no, I don't feel that one. We kept going through all the songs. I kept going like that before he finally found one to play on. And it was called uh, Ready to Rock. And he played on that one. That was the only thing he did on the record. Wow. And then he well, got Ace never... to come in. And I think yeah. that was the first uh, time Ace was, was on a uh, Kiss-related album since he left the band. So that was kind of a big deal. Nice. And from what I heard, I wasn't there when Ace, when Ace played on it. But uh, from what I heard, he did a number of passes on the song, Bump and Grind. But it was the first solo he did that they kept. Wow. And he did a really good good solo on that one. But I can completely see Gene trying to pull like his 78 solo album. I'm going to have 50 different people come and perform on this album. And in the end, he can only pull his band to come and play as special guests. It might have been a little bit deflating because no Eddie Van Halen and Jeff Beck. Right. But- for, for Kiss fans, we're like, wow, I should get that because, you know, that's about as close to a 
Kiss, you know, almost, I don't know what you would call it, a soundtrack or something like that, where they're, they're influencing somebody else's material a little bit. Right, right, and and Gene, you know, had had a strong songwriting presence on the album, and then uh, Eric Carr was one of the boys in the uh, backing vocals. It was Eric, myself, our drummer T.C. Tolliver, Gene, and uh, Mitch Weissman, who also contributed piano yep. to the album. Mm-hmm. And he had yeah, some. He nice brought some really good songs to the table. You know, some of the plasmatic songs we had that were slated for the next plasmatics album. And then he changed them, and we used them on uh, Wendy's album. Nice. Yep. Yeah. Now, there's a couple songs in particular that we we want to get some information from you about, and they're they're pretty much all deep cuts that Kiss fans love. And the the, the first one that stands out is the song "It's My Life" because this has a really interesting story. So it appears on Wendy O. Williams' album with her doing vocals. And then it appears on the Kiss box set that they released in 2000, uh, was it 2001? I can't even remember now. And Zeus and I, a lot of Kiss fans love, love the Kiss version of that song, It's My Life, and, and swear that it should have been released on a studio album. But I, I, a lot of Kiss fans don't know that that song is really old and that Wendy Williams did a version of it that actually kicks major ass if you haven't heard it. So tell us a little bit about that whole story of that song and how it went from Wendy Williams all the way to the Kiss box set. Yeah, I think that I think that was a really good song. In fact, that was the first uh, Simmons Stanley songwriting uh, combination of those two. I think in a while that they hadn't uh, had a co-writing credit on a song yep. until that one. And Gene brought that into our rehearsal, and we worked it up, and. Uh, Essentially, that's my guitar solo on there. And I think that's one of the, the better guitar solos I did. I approached it as like kind of a Alice Cooper, 70s type, you know, mm-hmm. big big kind of sound. And uh, uh, there's a number of bootlegs out there with Gene doing the guide vocals on that song that purport to be the actual Creatures of the Night version of that song which aren't there are backing tracks with uh, me and tc Tolliver playing on it with gene doing the guide vocals and that's what it is was guide vocals for wendy to learn the song okay and uh in fact if you listen carefully to the version on uh, the wow album through headphones you can actually hear gene's ghost vocals in the background really yeah because he played them and he played a uh uncredited rhythm guitar part on that song as well wow i had a uh a 57 les paul jr that i brought into the session just to try it out and gene says oh that's a, that's a cool guitar let me let me see that and he played a uh, rhythm part with that guitar on there wow. and it had a really a p90 uh, anybody familiar with the p90 single coil guitar pickup is real microphonic so it picked up his vocals yeah through that pickup Wow! And if you listen really carefully through the headphones, you can kind of hear it. But anyway, there's there are all these versions of that song out there that that people say are the Creatures of the Night recordings, and I still to this day have not heard a Creatures of the Night recording of that song. Wow. And I've spent a lot of money on bootleg albums that say that, and that it's our version of the song, and you can tell because it's my guitar solo. That's amazing. Wow. So, what did so, you think? What did you think when you saw or and heard? 
that it was added to the Kiss box set, and then it had that that little section with Ace dropping the lyrics in there as well. Like, what did you did you know that that was on going to be on the box set, or like I had, like, I had heard it was going to be on there. I thought that was pretty cool. I th- I think it's a great song. I always love that song. Yeah, yep. I mean, it's, it's really really powerful. Yep. Yeah. So that's the that's the Psycho Circus. They were thinking about putting that on there. Mm-hmm. But instead, what I heard there was, you know, when I've heard people talking about it online and stuff, I've always heard people say, "Oh yeah, the the uh, Creatures of the Night version, the Gene demo of that, the Gene demo." And I'm always hearing this Gene demo, right. the that's only version the I demo. got. It's not yeah. the Gene demo because you hear that guitar solo. That's my guitar solo. So. Yeah, wow. and so that's, 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 that's how you can say. tell. That's how you can tell. Wow. That's amazing that you, fact, you know you. He always gave me a hard time about that because at that time, you know, I didn't have a four track recorder or anything, and I would I would record it on a cassette recorder, and I'd record the backing track, and then I'd take that and record it onto another cassette recorder with the lead guitar part, and I'd play that, and I'd say, "Hey, Gene, here's the guitar solo I have for that song," and he's like, "Well, I can't hear that. I can't hear that." <laughs> and I'm like, "What do you mean you can't hear it? It's right there. I can't hear that." And I'm laughing, like, I'm laughing because I could picture him saying that. Like, and just then to... I played it in the studio, and he really liked it. So nice. <laughs> and the only thing at the at the very end, the very last note is overdubbed by our uh, by the lead guitar player on there, Michael Ray, because I couldn't really hit that really high note, so he overdubbed the last note. So that's a couple little little secrets on there: Gene playing the uncredited rhythm guitar, and Michael Ray hitting the last note. Wow. Now Tom, there's a there's a couple. Yeah. Oh, Zeus, go ahead. You were going to jump no, in I was on that. Say, Tom, you want to talk about the other couple songs that we wanted to get to? Yeah. So <clears throat> there's another song that I, that I had no idea that there was a Plasmatics or Wendy or Williams connection to, and that is uh, "Thief in the Night" that yeah. is on the Kiss Crazy Nights album with Gene vocals. That I think uh, is a really underrated deep cut for a Gene vocal, and that has a Plasmatics origin. W- what can you tell us about that? Well, that was a song that uh, Gene brought to brought to us to to play, and uh, Mitch Weissman is a co-writer on that. And uh, anybody familiar with Mitch? He actually played Paul McCartney in yep. the Beatlemania. Yes, and he was a really talented guy. He was another really cool guy. He'd sit around uh, while we were waiting to record and stuff. He'd be playing the piano, doing Beatles songs and stuff, and and it was really cool. But I thought that was a great song really yeah. powerful but that was one that gene brought to us to play the uh the funny thing about that is the story goes that when paul found out that that wasn't an original song he was pissed right i don't think paul was a real big fan of wendy or the plasmatics either so he was extra pissed what wow. was <laughs> any reason behind that i'm not sure maybe maybe it was because you know we were getting better reviews or he just didn't like the style but I remember when we went to see them on the uh, Lick It Up tour when they played at the uh, Radio City Music Hall, there was a very uncomfortable situation where we were going up in an elevator and Paul and John Beauvoir were in there and Wendy and me and our manager were in there. It was just silence. No the kidding. Right up, yeah. Wow. <laughs> it, that's It was that's, a little, little tense in there. That's Wow, that's crazy. I, all right, so my mind goes into strange places so my mind is thinking right off the bat at some point wendy who doesn't seem like she would lack any confidence probably said something direct to him yeah and we all know we love the star child we love paul (laughs) but he's not what you would say 
a non-sensitive man. <laughs> He's extremely sensitive. <laughs> right. And I can totally see where she probably said, oh, fuck off. Stop being a baby about stuff. And he, he was like, oh, I don't think I want to be next to her much longer. <laughs> um, but I can totally see that. And that's too bad. That's too bad. And then, you know, I can also picture her. You know what the other thing is that I'm thinking in my head? Around this time, Gene is starting to get adventurous. He's starting to do movies. He's starting to find little pet projects. I'm going to do Van Halen. I'm going to make this person a star. And Wendy's a project that in Gene's head. And he's probably like, Every time these people come around, I lose my partner. Yeah. And I don't want these people around. They annoy the shit out of me. Or it could be something like that. Yeah, something yeah. as simple as that, you know. Very but possible. That's, yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's too bad. <laughs> so, and, 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 and another song that is that kind of came back into the spotlight, thanks to uh, our buddy Chris Jericho and his uh, quarantine band, was a song that you were involved in with a co-write. Uh, from the plasmatics and that's love's a deadly weapon that came out with a gene vocal on asylum which i'll be completely honest with you that is a song that i have grown to kind of appreciate because i'm on record as saying that i'm not a big fan of what i refer to as fast kiss and that song is fast for any band especially kiss i'm a fan of it now but it's interesting that that's also uh, another Kiss deep cut that has its roots in the plasmatics right absolutely well the origin of that song was i wrote a song called party Mm-hmm. For Wendy's second solo album. And Gene was slated to produce that as well, but due to his uh, scheduling, he wasn't able to do it. So he came down to a, a pre rehearsal for that album and uh, heard the song. And he and uh, he said, oh, I like that. I think we'll use it. So he took it. He <laughs> I could picture I like that. <laughs> I'm gonna I, I, wrote, I wrote that in the vein of Motorhead. So I thought that was pretty yeah. funny that, you know, Kiss, here's, here's Kiss playing like a Motorhead song. In fact, we used to call that the Motorhead song before it had lyrics to it. Yeah, yeah, your your the Plasmatics version of it, the the party that that's that song it kicks ass. I mean, you can you can tell that Love's a Deadly Weapon is based on it, but it's a, it's a killer track that you that you wrote. I'd like I'd like to get uh, see if Ace would like to cover Party because I think that would be kind of like a little oh wow side a kiss because it it would fit Ace perfectly. You know the lyrics Party Tonight. Oh yeah. I think he could do a really good version of that song. That's funny. So is this something amongst musicians that you say Gene walks in and says, I'm going to take that song. Can, is this something that where you can say, no, you're not. No, we're all set. We don't, we don't need kiss covering. This is our song. You can't have it. Is that a no, no, or is, how does that work? I think it was pretty flattering actually. And yeah, uh, and with that royalty check I got from Kiss, I was ready to go out and buy a car. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not uh, mad at him. Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. Now, you had When I went to see Kiss on the Asylum tour, uh, Bruce came out uh, backstage and he says, oh, yeah, that was that's a great song, but it's too fast for Paul to play live. Oh. So, unfortunately, I guess they couldn't play it live. Wow. So, so he's like, once again, God damn those Fucking plasmatics and Wendy <laughs> Gene probably flipping out. That's awesome. Great story. Huh? I know. And poor Bruce, he probably would have loved to have shredded that song because he shreds it on the asylum record. So, but that's funny. I can picture Paul, you know, it's too fast. I'm not doing it. But translation meaning it's a gene vocal from the plasmatics. We're not doing it. Right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but Tom, you're right. This is that's a song 
I know when we did it, um, when we reviewed Asylum, it yep. grew on me. I me think too. when we first started our podcast, we had like the shittiest songs, Kiss songs for me. I hated this song. I hate it. I, thought, I was like, it doesn't sound like anything Kiss would do. Mm-hmm. Then you review a year, two years, three years of doing this podcast. Like, fuck, I don't listen to that song enough. This song's <laughs> actually pretty good. I it like grows this. on you, doesn't it? it oh, does. my God, it does. And yeah. that's what happens. The songs yeah. that you don't listen to and you start getting into them in here and you start picking up little nuances and stuff. Fuck, I like that chord. Oh, that solo rips. Holy shit, that's actually pretty good. And then you're like, God damn it, I was on record saying this song sucks. Now how do I get around that? Well, I think the whole Asylum album was kind of like a hidden gem that people kind of swept it under the rug for a long time. You know, they Absolutely. were just going, but the tears are falling. And it's 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 got new life now, I think. People are discovering it again, and it's... Uh, it's the Gene songs that stick out on that. It's I one think. of the more popular records now, I think. Did you get it? Have you? Did you get a chance to uh, see the video or hear the version that Chris Jericho and his quarantine buddies did of "Love's oh, a Deadly yeah, Weapon"? Yeah, I think it's really good. Yeah, they, they really did a great job on it. Yeah, yeah, musically they kick ass. Chris yeah. is reaching his ass off. Thought uh, it sounded awesome. Yeah, yeah, uh, powerful. That's a powerful song. It really is. It really is. And, and Gene Gene wails on it on the uh, on, on the Asylum version. He does, yeah, yep. yeah. They did a they did a great version of it, I think. Yep. They changed the riff around a little, I think, a little weaker than the original one, but you know, that's yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's Kiss, all right. Now, anything else that do you guys ever have any other projects in the works that you just, you know, unfortunately never got around to, or songs that we're gonna do, or or other little projects, maybe with Gene and Wendy or the Plasmatics, anything else that was out there that just unfortunately never got a chance to, you know get combine the talents well you know if, if gene would have come in and done uh, her second album things could have been a little different uh, it ended up i i was associate producer on that record it's called commander of chaos and it was yep. kind of like a lot of people call it the first thrash metal album because mm-hmm. it was really up tempo really fast yeah you've had a, so many different styles with that band thrash punk hard rock metal isn't there's a little bit of rap in there too, right? Right. The last last record we did was like a, a metal rap hybrid, and I think you know it was all because we like to stretch the boundaries. And Wendy always liked to say she liked to draw a line in the sand, and then she liked to step over that line, <laughs> and yep. that's what she did. And she wasn't afraid to take chances and do different things. So you know, and I really enjoyed that about the band and about working with her. Is everything was different. We didn't put the same album out twice. Mm-hmm. No, no, and that's just that's the thing that. You know, for me, um, she's very underappreciated, way ahead of her time. The 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 ballsiness, the the way that she, she the confidence as a woman back then to not take shit and do things her way. It's really you know inspiring. If I was looking back as a as a female in the music industry, and I don't think she gets that much credit. She well, doesn't least, get nearly enough credit. That's no. for sure. Yeah, it, it, she does it, and you're right because it, in that that era of 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 rock, you know, you were you know a Pat Benatar or a Joan Jett, who are fantastic and terrific on their own. A Wendy O. Williams was so out of the ordinary that that even even male vocalists, male frontmen were like, "Holy shit!" You know, and 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 she was kind of like a trailblazer, and the Plasmatics in general were too, and it's a shame that. A lot more people really 
whether it's because of age or because of the fact that the plasmatics didn't really explode and become the big band that they should have that like Zeus said, Wendy O. Williams, she she deserves to be kind of recognized as being like a, a pioneer because she was just a badass. Oh, absolutely. And she's, you know, she's too often overlooked. And you, I, I really get mad. I see all these books and things where they say like the 50th uh, heaviest female singers and there's no mention of Wendy. It's like, how can you not mention Wendy? She has to start and stop every conversation. Yeah, it's true. You know, it's, now, it's what really about- too bad. What about movies? Because you know how that works. Eventually, somebody comes along and goes, did you know about this badass in this time of history? Not many people know. And all of a sudden, they're like, yeah, let's do a movie. Wouldn't she make for a fantastic biopic? And maybe Mm. in the future, you get some resurgence in the plasmatics and Wendy Williams, and it'll shine some light on what was you know, a great band and a great artist. Well, there are some things in the works, you know, with the pandemic, they've kind of been put on the back burner. So, you know, who knows? Just have to stay, stay tuned and we'll see what happens. Well, do you, that, you, that sounds good because I, 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 yeah, I, that sounds pretty, makes me optimistic. I'm glad to kind of uh, hear that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Do you have any, is there anything so after, after creatures and after your involvement with Gene and the guys on Wendy, so, um, do did you continue to have any kind of relationship, whether personal or professional, with Gene or any guys in Kiss? Have you been in touch with them at all throughout the pandemic, or even through the end of the road tour, or is that no, just kind of no, a part no, of a, no, just nothing a, really with them? No. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Have you seen them recently? Did you get a chance to see them on the end of the road tour? Is that something I you're didn't interested see the in? End of the road tour. I think the last time I saw them was with the Molly Crew tour. Okay. Okay. That was the last time I saw him. I'm not a real big fan of the uh, the new lineup with Tommy Thayer and Eric. Oh, and, uh, I like him. I have I have a Tommy Thayer signature guitar, which is a great guitar. Yeah, I have to say. What you give thought? us? Yeah, yeah. I want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear from you, a musician. What are your thoughts of you know Tommy and Eric Singer in the Peter and uh, Ace makeup and stuff? Uh, frankly, I don't care for it. You know, it's, okay. To, to me, it's not. It's not really Kiss. To me, Kiss is you know Peter and Ace. I mean, that's Kiss and put on the makeup. I don't know. Interesting. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, we we like honesty. <laughs> on not for me. Not that they're bad. I mean, I thought their Dubai show was great. They played great. They sounded great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I like Eric Singer. I always thought he's a really good drummer. But. uh no, yeah, that's fair, that's fair not, enough. Not really for me. Fair enough. Is there anything going on right now? Are you? What are you doing to keep yourself busy? Whether it's COVID related or just in general, are you are you working on anything? Are you doing well, anything? I, I always write. I always keep the fingers going. Uh, you know, I'm 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 working on a book while I can still remember what went on back then. So, you <laughs> nice. Know, hopefully, hopefully, I'll get that finished and it'll come out. And then I hope to do uh, maybe a, a CD to go along with it. Nice. Awesome. That's awesome. kind of my plan. Maybe revisit some plasmatic songs and some of the songs I like uh, through the years. And, and very, cool. very cool. Very yeah. cool. And, and you're on. And you're on Twitter. People can people can check you out on Twitter. Yeah, all the time. And uh, I'm active with the uh, Plasmatics website. You go to plasmatics.com. If any of your fans want to uh, order any records or CDs, all the Plasmatics catalog is available there. And the Wow album. Wow. 
also cool. available. There's some uh, some rare vinyl things there as well, some posters. So some pretty cool stuff. And if anybody wants anything autographed, I'd be more than happy to autograph it. Just put that in the comments. You'd like it autographed. And- nice. Very cool. Zeus, anything else for Wes? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I'm, there's so much stuff there that I know I, I want to pick at, but I always, you know, oh, well, what's this have to do with Kiss? Well, you know what? Well, He's an interesting guy. I still want to ask him some stuff. I know. Here's, a, here's an interesting uh, bit of trivia that uh, I haven't mentioned on any podcast before. Ooh. That in the Lick It Up video, the drum set that Eric's playing is actually our drummer, T.C. Tolliver's drum set, because their really? drums were still being shipped over from the Brazil show, so he didn't have a drum set to play. Wow. So he rented it from TC. So it's a brown Slingerland set he's playing. Interesting. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I just watched that video earlier today. Yeah, yeah that's a good up. one. <laughs> when I when I start when you start looking at stuff plasmatics in that era, all of a sudden you know the if you're not paying attention, the next video that they load, lick it up. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's a, now with lick it up and stuff. Were you when you heard Kiss is taking off the makeup? Any thoughts on that? Ah, I thought that was kind of an interesting thing. I didn't know why they were going to do it because it seemed like they were getting some momentum on the Creatures tour. And then they took it off, took the makeup off, and it was kind of, I don't know, kind of was deflating, I think. Uh-huh. Mm. So people got to see what they really looked like. And, you know, Gene was kind of uncomfortable for a while there trying to find, uh, <laughs> yeah. find his thing. And uh, Yeah, I guess it would be like, uh, hey, Wendy, we're going to try a new image. I want you to wear a sundress. Yeah. <laughs> I've sent some pigtails and we're going to, all the rest of us are going to put on suits. Yeah, I, I guess so. It's a complete different image stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting though. Did you, but the one thing I want to ask you, non kiss related, you're in New York in the late seventies, eighties, and you're seeing all these bands, any band specifically in the New York scene that was stood out. That was your favorite? Oh, my favorite I, was the New York Dolls, of course. That was one of the biggest influences on me growing up. And then uh, Johnny Thunder's solo band when he was in the Heartbreakers. That was another one of my favorite bands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I kind of lived at uh, CBGB's. That was like the local club for me. I'd go there and see bands all the time, hang out there. What was awesome. that? What was that like back then going in? You were probably seeing the bands that are now legendary for that club. You were seeing it live then, probably living it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was, it was an intense period of time. It was pretty exciting. I mean, I was playing in a band, uh, and we were we were uh, playing there, Max's Kansas City, the whole punk rock scene, and it, it was uh, it was exciting. I, I thought it was like Paris in the 20s, you know, it was all these artists and all these musicians. and Yeah. Yeah, it was a, it was a transitional time for music. It was it was an adventurous time for music. Like you said, you had punk you had new wave, then you started to get some of the rock and the metal, and you started to have all that blending of the of the genres and the bands were really interesting. And, and plasmatics is right there, right? Very cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of kind of like in there on the ground zero. I think it was it was yeah. it was a good time to be alive and uh, be involved in music. Yep. Well, I definitely think whatever book, if you could put all your memories down, is going to be a interesting. And probably a little bit of a wild ride hearing uh, all the things that I imagine that you probably saw and lived through. Oh, yeah. Times. yeah. <laughs> so I, please, if you get when you get to that point, please come back. We'd love to have you on to talk about that. And uh, I, I can't thank you enough. I appreciate you coming on. 
Sure. Well, thanks for having me. It was a good time. I, I like talking to you guys and I enjoy your, listening to your podcast. And I don't know how you guys find time to do anything else. You got so much stuff going on. <laughs> I know. I know. Wes, thank you so much for taking the time. It's been a long time coming again. We've been chatting with you for so long uh, and I'm, I'm thrilled that we, we got to finally talk to you and uh, great, great stuff. Uh, really, really excited to have you on. So thank you so much for taking the time and we, we wish you well in the future. Thank you. Wow, anytime. Thank you. Thanks, All right, Wes. Wes. Take care. All right. You too. All right. Be safe. So that was terrific. Um, Zeus, some great information, some real good insight. Uh, I especially enjoyed not only the, the behind the scenes stuff with the creatures of the night tour, but it was really interesting for him to really get into detail about those songs. The story of it's my life thief of the night loves a deadly weapon. You know, the origins of all those and the, and the connections between kiss and the plasmatics, uh, really interesting stuff. And, uh, you know, we could have kept talking to him for a lot longer and we did after we stopped recording. We'll just put it that way. Yeah. There's stuff that we obviously couldn't talk about on the show, a little bit private stuff. Um, <laughs> that were quite funny. I wish we could have shared them. Um, but Wes is such an interesting guy. Couldn't be kinder. Couldn't have been nicer throughout this whole time. And he's always been, you know, forthcoming with us explain to us a few things sometimes in episodes we've discussed issues and uh, we were just waiting to get him on and pick, find a good time. And we're uh, excited that we got this opportunity to interview him. And I, I just, you know, I like the era. I like the era of something different, still makeup, but it's not that, Hey, tell us, tell us about the love gun tour. Hey, tell us about, uh, you know, the concert at Winterland. This is still makeup, but it's a little bit uh, an era that wasn't really discussed. Wes has a great many stories, the songwriting, the background between the stories, his relationship with um, the Plasmatics and Wendy O. Williams. Uh, it sounds like he's got something coming up, his own personal novel or book. Potentially, yep. Yeah, yep. I'm excited for that because... I know there's plenty of good stuff out there that he can mention in his book. And he's a, he's a really, uh, uh, an interesting person who's lived a very interesting life and the kiss connection is strong with him. Really strong. Yeah. And Zeus said it, it, it's an interesting era that you don't hear a lot of. And, you know, like I, I had mentioned during the interview, you know, in retrospect, the creatures of the night tour is that tour that you wish everybody could have gone to because of the, the way the band looked, the way they sounded, seeing a band like the plasmatics open up for them. Uh, and then just having stories about songs like deep cuts. It's my life. You know, it's only on the box set, you know, thief in the night, a great gene deep cut off of crazy nights, loves a deadly weapon, great gene deep cut off of asylum backgrounds of songs that. You know, it's not like, oh, did I tell you about how I wrote rock and roll all night in a hotel room? You know, things like that, which are great. You're getting insight from from somebody that's like really directly connected to this. And uh, we couldn't be more grateful for it. Uh, just r really fun stuff. Yeah, I loved how he's like, no, I know that's not the demo because that's my solo. Exactly. Like things, things like that. And, yep. uh, you know, his story with Wendy O. Williams and the era and being at CBGB in the beginning and seeing all that. Man, I can't wait till he puts all his story in a book. Yep. And uh, I, I, I can't. I, I'm. I loved having him on. I can't wait. We'll probably have him on again. And uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this interview as well. Absolutely. Yep. Thank you, Wes. Uh, much appreciated. Good times for sure.
Absolutely. Tom, what we do next is we usually go to questions. What do you got? Hi, this is Ed Spansberg of ClickTeeShop.com. And for all your shouted out loudcast gear and merchandise, please visit ClickTeeShop.com. At Click T Shop, you can find lots of Kiss inspired t shirt designs, plus mugs, hats, hoodies, pillows, and all new fine art selections. And now, here's your question of the week. Yes, uh, questions tonight. And uh, let's see what we got. We got one from our good friend, Fat Man on Guitar. Nice. And his question is. After the reunion tour, would Kiss have been better served to have released a live album from the tour with maybe four or five original cuts featuring just the original four, rather than the disaster that Psycho Circus turned out to be when it was revealed that it was a lot of ghost players which ruined the illusion? That's an easy answer. I'll start right off the bat. Absolutely couldn't agree with you more, Fat Man on Guitar. That is a that that is such a brilliant idea. It pisses me off that Kiss didn't think of it. You're right. They could have done what they did on a live too. Have a live album, but then throw on four or five original tracks with those guys. First of all, Psycho Circus sucks to begin with. I don't care if there's ghost players on there or not, but I, I think it's a great question. I think it's a great point. And when you hear an idea like that, you wonder. Where the hell was Gene with something like that? But in retrospect, it was 1997, 98, you know, that whole era, different time back then. But uh, it's a great question. And it's one of those definite kiss. What ifs? Yeah, I'm with you 100 percent. Of course, that sounds like a lot better. Look, they could have released those songs if you really like within and other couple songs. Uh, uh, For me, I would say raise your glasses and maybe journey of a thousand years. Put it on the next album. You didn't need them. Yep. You know, go do something different, authentic yep. with the original members. If yep. it's an EP, who cares? If there's a couple live uh, 2000, uh, 1998 version of them doing some classic songs, it's probably a garage type sound. Love it. What a great yep. idea. There's just no way that Paul would let something imperfect go on a fucking tape at that stage in their careers. There's no way. He's just not the type. Yeah. Um, so that it's a great idea. Thanks for the question. The fat man on guitar. Absolutely. Thank you, buddy. Good one. Yep. Tom, where can people hear us? Yeah. So uh, our email is uh, one of the best places to find us. Shout it out loudcast at gmail.com. Shout it out loudcast at gmail.com. Uh, we're on all the social medias, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Twitter is one of the best places to reach us. We're very interactive on all of them. But as you guys know, on Twitter, we're there. And that great Facebook group, the, the Shout It Out Loud Casters group, that's a really fun interactive group with just huge Kiss fans that love to share stories, pictures, like you know, like our buddies from uh, Australia did. Just really fun stuff. And, uh, of course, we're on the great Pantheon Podcast Network with uh, tons of great shows, including previously mentioned uh, Decibel Geek, who is going to be hopefully in August doing Rockin' Pod down in Nashville. Uh, unfortunately, I'm going to tell you right now, as of right now, it does not look like Shout It Out Loudcast is going to be able to attend. Regretfully so. I know some people have been uh, talking to us and asking us, but uh, as of right now, it just doesn't look like it's going to happen. I've talked to Chris and told him that it doesn't look like it's going to happen, unfortunately. But we hope for his sake and for everybody else's sake that that event does does go off. Um, so, you know, good luck to them for that. And hopefully it, it does succeed. And um, 
and our buddy uh, Ed over at Click Tea Shop. Uh, you know, he designed our great uh, T-shirt logo, uh, and he has great Kiss-inspired gear with all kinds of graphics. And uh, speaking of our T-shirt and speaking of our logo, our good friend Dan, also known as I Love It Louder, posted a really, really cool thing on Twitter the other day. He took a nice selfie. He had his Shout It Out Loudcast shirt on. He was uh, proud to say that he got his vaccine and he's feeling healthy. You know, he had a couple medical issues and he's back up on his feet. He's feeling great. And he was proud to tell everybody he was feeling great and proud to do it while wearing the Shout It Out Loudcast shirt from uh, Click T Shop. So I love it louder slash Dan. Thank you, buddy. And uh, we hope you are in good health, especially wearing a beauty like that shirt. God bless you, babe. Wish you luck in the future. Say a prayer. All right. See you later, fruitcake. Uh, Dan, <laughs> wish you the best, all seriousness. Yep. Uh, and uh, guys, what I usually tell people and ladies, uh, you can always send us a DM if you have some personal comments or questions or something you want to talk to us about. And that can be sent to us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you'd like, or the emails, which is what we prefer. Emails at shoutitoutloudcast at gmail.com. Shoutitoutloudcast at gmail.com. Tom, what I always like to tell people is they can always go online and give us one of those five star Star. child reviews on iTunes or anywhere else where you can see where a review can be left. It's greatly appreciated and helps us out tremendously. Also want to leave you with our Patreon account. If you're interested in that, please feel free to look us up on Patreon. See if that's something that interests you. If you do, great. And lastly, I would like to say, uh, once again, please look out for the brackets that will be released for our tournament, our Kiss Madness Tournament. Uh, please make sure you get involved. Ask us questions if you're not sure. I know we have some people that aren't sure how they work because you're either, you know, from you're not familiar with college basketball tournament, things like that. This is a fun way to pick which kiss beep is the best. You'll see. And if you need help, ask online. Everybody will jump in and try to help you out, and we will as well. So free. Feel free to send us a message or direct anytime or an email or hit us up online. And the interesting thing too, I want to say, and we'll talk about this more when we get into the real detail of, of breaking down the bracket, is that when we ask you guys to fill out the bracket, and this happens too when you fill out like a college basketball bracket, you fill it out one of two ways. You fill it out the way you want it to finish, or you fill it out the way that you think it realistically will finish. So last year we had people do different things. And if you, if you're trying to win something, cause there, there is going to be a prize for the winner, then you, you might want to fill out your bracket based on who you legitimately think is going to win. But for me, I, uh, prizes are great. I get more fun out of filling it out, how I want it to, to, to finish and then see if it, if it happens. So, but that's the fun thing about these brackets. You do it however you want, and it's funny the way. Yeah, well, I won last year doing it that way, Tom, so fuck you. Um, Perfect. Yeah, I, I did two. I did one because I knew how the kiss sheep out there would vote. Yep. That's the one. That was the winning bracket of all that was submitted last year. Me. I won. Finally. The guy that's probably like, 
what is my record on all our kiss games? Maybe two and eight or something. Yeah. Could be. Maybe. So it's not much to brag about there. But then I did my own personal. So if you want to submit two or submit one or whatever that you think is going to win and do one separate, go right ahead. It's for fun, people. Absolutely. Enjoy it. Okay. Exactly. Yep. Enjoy it. Yep. Anyways, Tom, we usually uh, end this show with uh, famous last words. And those last words are always from a kiss song. I got this feeling in me. Can't get you out of my head. One day you say you hate me, but I found you in my bed. Yeah. Ooh. Tom. It's a ritual slaying without strings attached. Oh, no. And now he's praying, but there's no turning back. Nice. Beautiful stuff. A tip of the hat to our buddy Wes on those lyrics. Tom, thank you. Kiss Army, thank you. Special thank you out to friend West Beach for an awesome uh, interview, and we appreciate all that you've done for Shout Out Loudcast. Thank you so much, Wes. Thank you, Zeus, as always. Thank you, Kiss Army Loudcasters. You're the best. And, of course, special thanks to the great West Beach. Thank you so much for taking the time and uh, just having a blast talking Kiss with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you, everybody. Peace out, Girl Scout. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.